Today's guest is Roy Bejarano of Scale Healthcare. And this conversation is one of those conversations that happens rarely. What I mean by that is, yes, we do cover what Scale Healthcare is, and we talk about how it's focused on health services as a whole. Uh, we also dive in earlier in the conversation uh, on Roy's background and sort of how it how it all fits into the launching and founding of Scale Healthcare. Later goes on to drop a couple of gems uh, that I think every entrepreneur will be able to appreciate. It's really a holistic episode. If you listen closely, you're bound to walk away with something, either uh, a reminder you needed as an entrepreneur or something you may not have thought of before. And that's really what this show is about. And, and, and Roy really captured that. There is a community behind all of us here as entrepreneurs. And every entrepreneur that's worth their salt, right? Whatever that means, really loves to learn from other entrepreneurs and are always willing to help other entrepreneurs to the best of their ability, to the best they can. And there's also a running joke that most entrepreneurs don't just do one form of exercise either. If they, if they are exercising or if they are running businesses or if they are doing something, it's always multifaceted because that's just the way the entrepreneur works. So this really is an entrepreneur's episode by an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs, if you will. So without further ado, Roy Bejarano of Scale Healthcare. All right, Roy, very grateful to have you here. I never take it for granted that I get to do this. And uh, I think the place that made the most sense to start this conversation, uh, since this is where the listener would check in, is, uh, you know, given that your career has been diverse, right? Spanning from banking, private equity, and now healthcare. I was curious if you could share with us sort of how working in the healthcare industry uh, and all the previous experience you shared really came together for you. Is there any way that that shaped the way that you viewed healthcare, having worked at all those other industries, verticals prior to this? Yeah, it's a great question, Philip. So thank you. I do think there are certain um, professions that, while you might not necessarily have to commit to them for your entire life, um, that the skills that you gain from them travel well. I think it's true for, frankly, every profession. Anything that you do for a living, uh, you can learn from. You know, my first ever job was as a waiter. And I, and I, I still have a sense for throughput and uh, service and uh, the pressures of performing, uh, the importance of working in a team. I mean, and, you know, I'm thinking of maybe the most entry-level job that I've ever had, and I still gain value from that um you know give or take 30 years ago and so when you apply that to a, a profession like investment banking or private equity investing um there's just many more skills that you can take with you in in your own uh bag um and into any other profession so walking into healthcare 15 years ago um, I'm still amazed by how much banking takes place in healthcare, uh, how much investing takes place around me within healthcare, and how relevant it is to always think about everything, frankly, from those two lenses. They're not the only two lenses. Um, there are many lenses to apply. Um, operational lens, patient experience lens, uh, talent recruitment and retention lens, strategy and competitive landscaping lens, 
uh, macro exogenous environment that we're in lens. Um, so, you know, there are many lenses, but it's important to maybe have a good background and some depth in as many of the more important ones uh, as you can, as you possibly can. Is there any one moment that sort of stood out when you did step into healthcare that just made you really appreciate that you had done all that work in banking or finance, things of that nature? It's, can you repeat the question? Sorry. Yeah. Is there any moment that actually stands out to you in your experience uh, over the last 15 years that made you very grateful for the fact that you did have all that banking experience and expertise in, in that vertical? Every time I've ever been involved in a transaction, and um, since I joined healthcare 15 years ago, I, I think the amount of transactions I've been involved in are numerous and constant. Uh, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I'm not involved in some kind of transaction-based discussion, uh, the allocation of capital. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to, to highlight any one event, right? The, 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 the application of good investment decisions versus bad migrates into good operational decisions versus bad within the same business plan. Uh, they're not necessarily the same slide, you know, return on invested capital. IRR is not the same as the practical reality of what the first year of a de novo build out might or might not look like versus your budget. Uh, they're just different questions, but it's in the same package. Um, part of the consideration so yeah I don't, I don't think there's there's the one event there's just so many it's it's constant it's every day in that case why don't you walk me through sort of what it was like when you made the decision to to found scale healthcare and be a part of that and and because i think i have some notes here that talk about your you had a previous experience with frontier healthcare and yeah. then this led into scale healthcare. So it's clear that you found Lane, you love it, there's passion behind it. No entrepreneur does anything if there's no passion in there, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> so can you sort of walk me through what scale looked like when you decided this is the, this is the next step for me? Well, Philip, that's a, that's a great point, the question of passion, because I've, I've really launched three different businesses. Some have become businesses to other businesses. And I've obviously consulted to many more businesses over the years. So this, this question of what is the right formula, set of ingredients and catalyst to launch a business or an investment, frankly, of time, effort, and resources uh, is, a, is, a, is a question that comes up for me again and again and again. And I, I do think there are different ways to actually deconstruct the word passion. Right. So I, I've launched a business with just the theoretical notion of being excited to do something as a craftsman for myself. And that was enough to be a first time entrepreneur at age 31, 32. Um, and there are many entrepreneurs that use the same formula, the same logic. Uh, sort of the, the academic example I always use is, was presented to me by, by an author, I forget which book, but the cake maker who loves making cakes and then decides to open their own cake shop or their own cake restaurant and see what happens because they oh, just want to make cakes. The e-myth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so doing more of what you like or even love equals passion. Um, and I think that's a strategy, but I think that leaves a lot to good fortune. 
to sort of roll the dice there. You, you know that you're going to like doing what you do, but whether the business will be successful or not, sort of leaving to others. Um, and then the other version of passion is, uh, you know, I know I'm good at certain skills, but more important than what I like doing uh, is knowing that I'll bring those skills to a business environment, but can I, can I maximize the likelihood of that business being successful? And that's got nothing to do with what you like to do and has everything to do with what the market needs but doesn't currently have. Um, and so that speaks to my, my second business, Frontier, where you know what the market didn't have was a lot of surgery centers performing outpatient procedures versus hospitals performing those same procedures. And the difference in cost was you know 50%. And so what the market needed was a lot of savings and it needed high quality, quick, efficient care that patients could really enjoy. And so that's not, that's not a passion, um, but it is a passion in the sense that I'm passionate about providing solutions to the marketplace. That, that is a passion that's always there. If people aren't happy because they're not getting what they want, whether it's you know warm chicken on time as a waiter or rapid you know, colonoscopies priced very well as an ASC developer, it's the same passion to meet an unmet demand. And then you sort of have scale, which is really a combination of both, you know, things that I love to do, but also encapsulated in a sort of market, market, market dynamic and a business plan that addresses supply demand imbalances. So I think it's sort of the best of both worlds. Um, Scale is both broad and does many things. It's been called a, a mini conglomerate, it's been called a consulting business, an investment business, a product business. Um, but it also is quite disciplined in that it, it does all those things in one market, healthcare services in the US. Um, so it's sort of a double layer of discipline. It's not global, uh, it's just one country. And it's not even industry specific, it's market segment specific, just healthcare services. Um, so I think we're, we're trying to get away with being broad and narrow at the same time. And that's the experiment we've been living with for five years. And so far, so good. Wow. So yeah, you chose market segments to go after. Uh, are there any top three market segments that, that you decided to focus on uh, so that you could remain broad, but yet focused? Just the one segment, just healthcare services. But the, just healthcare services. the funny thing about healthcare services is that you know, most markets, some markets are you know, defined as attractive because there's $5 billion of spend. And so, you know, if I can get to decent market share, I have a nice size business. Some markets are considered huge because they're $500 billion of spend. Uh, enormous. So healthcare services is two and a half to three trillion dollars of annual spend in the US. So just to give it, you know, some context, it's large enough. It's, it's larger than most of the other industries out there individually, right? Um, just on its own. So that's definitely a massive right. jump. If, if you combine healthcare <laughs> services with med devices and drugs, you get to 4.3 trillion of spend, it's larger than every other industry. Oh, Just the size wow. of it allows you to you know, focus and still feel like there's plenty of opportunity. 
Got it. And and hearing I can I can hear the finance, the banking, the just the overall broad strokes views you have of your industry as a whole. And again, like you said, there is clearly a need for what you're providing with your skills and the way you see the industry and the way that you and your team decide to interact in that space. And that's good enough because it's creating that. And and is scale the whole point of, of is it named based on its whole ethos of, of what it is doing at, at, at scale? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, look, the, the, the market demand imbalance that we, we saw in scale was um, uh, a movement that was happening without us, which was the movement to aggregate, to scale physician practices. It's since expanded to include provider practices, so not just physicians, so other areas within healthcare like behavioral health. Um, it's since expanded to include other sites of service. It's no longer just practices, it's facilities, it's health systems, hospitals, uh, it's virtual care, <laughs> virtual care, which is moving us beyond any brick and mortar establishment. Um, it hasn't yet expanded into other areas of healthcare like med devices and uh, drugs, um, although pharma services sort of falls in between. So we are certainly looking at that space with a keen eye and have some expertise there. Um, but the, orig the original catalyst was helping physician groups to scale. Um, and where we originally started was the expectation that actually we'd be working with a lot of physicians and doing that because these groups have scaled so quickly. Uh, we're actually mostly helping with their management teams. Um, so the, the transfer of uh, decision-making from a business standpoint, not from a clinical standpoint, is something that we're, we're well aware of and dealing with growing bodies, layers of management in these Healthcare service organizations is something that we're, we're cognizant of because we, we live and breathe that now every day, ever, ever growing management teams in this very large industry. So it's just, it's interesting to be a, a witness to it. Uh, and now over the last five years, it's, it's been very rewarding and enjoyable to be uh, a catalyst ourselves, being someone that has helped, helped that along and all that that means. No, yeah, I think that's great. Uh, it's no secret that healthcare as a whole has a lot of challenges or some might call them opportunities, right? Uh, especially in the U.S. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that is everyone is painfully aware of. And to know that someone uh, like you with your skill set is looking at it and going, how do we make this better? Because it's clearly yeah. a problem is, is just good because there are definitely areas that that could be uh, opened up to. And it could use the help. I'm wondering when you were with Frontier and decided to jump into Scale, did you decide to raise money for mm -hmm. the launching of Scale, or did you bootstrap it yourself? Yeah, so it is. It is interesting. Another good question. We um, we're part of raising money every day, right? We we've been right. engaged 350 plus times, five years with several hundred healthcare companies, and we've worked with. 80 private equity firms who allocate money all the time. Um, we've informally helped several 
many more private equity firms, but formerly 80 plus and work with the lender community formerly, um, a good 10 to 50 national lenders um, that are, you know, mostly debt funds, but also uh, large uh, commercial banking institutions as well. Um, and so the raising of money is something that we're, we're very much involved with, and we ourselves have co-invested um, in clinical assets now eight times in the first five years. Um, but I, I don't believe in raising money for a business that doesn't need it. And our business is really a, an intellectual capital business. It's about aggregating talent. We don't have the difficulty and the need to build, you know, brick and mortar establishments. We don't have the difficulty and need to build very complex infrastructure, risk management systems that deal with hundreds of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of patients. We're occupying a space that, um, you know, has enabled us to, to grow organically. And so all the businesses that we've built, the businesses that we've invested in, and, and the three or four businesses that we, we've out and out acquired over the last five years has been done organically, uh, which is, um, which we're grateful for. You know, yeah. I've had outside investors in the past and, um, learned a lot of lessons when I did that, uh, as a, a very young entrepreneur in my early thirties. And, uh, I've seen outside capital be very helpful to many of our clients. Um, but there's a time and a place, right? And there's also the right fit, not just in terms of timing and need, but the right fit in terms of who you're partnering with. So, you know, we, um, we haven't had that need yet. Got it. I appreciate that. Um, knowing that there are entrepreneurs that are listening, right? These are people who are either looking for capital themselves for whatever next venture they have, or they're in the middle of a venture right now and up to their wits. And am I going to make payroll, right? The, the classic entrepreneur uh, issues, right? Uh, how do I deal with this, with my best employee and continue to nurture them? How do I deal with my worst employee and find a way to, to make that go away or get better? Yeah. Right. Uh, knowing that you have them listening uh, right now and that we've laid the groundwork for what it is that you do, how you view what you're doing. And yeah. uh, we're getting to where you intend to go uh, or in this area. What do you want them to know about yourself, uh, Roy, and, and, and maybe scale or, or whatever? Because you have their attention now for sure. Um, you know, we, we, I'm always interested to help and always available. Um, you know, entrepreneurs like other entrepreneurs, operators like other operators, um, people who solve, try to solve problems for others have a sort of a common spirit about them. And it's not something you sort of turn off on a Monday. Um, we're always available to help each other. It is a community of builders and, and innovators. Um, so always interested to help. We are actually expanding scale healthcare into scale professional services. Uh, which is something that we just launched online uh, under scaleconsulting.com that now links to scale professional services. So I think the the net that we are casting of companies that we can help has broadened substantially beyond healthcare. Um, when we enter a new space, we expect to work with very small companies first, uh, year one. And then as we cut our teeth and 
uh, gain confidence and build up case studies, we, we migrate up. And so we're now working with a lot of multi-billion dollar businesses in healthcare, um, but earning the right constantly to do that. So um, here to help, that would be the first message. This, the second is sort of just my vantage point of all the operating teams that I've worked with over the years. I've been doing it for a long time, also as a banker and also in asset management, frank, frankly, uh, frankly, sorry, covering large management teams in the large cap space. So where I started was uh, sitting down with uh, the CEO leadership of McDonald's. Um, you know, that was back in the days of Solomon Smith Barney. So sort of working back um, from the multi, multi-billion dollar businesses and their management teams that I was exposed to all the way down to uh, pre-commercial businesses and year one startups and everything in between the mid-cap space, the small mid, you know, for me, large cap. micro pre-commercial that all means something to me every one of those titles means something to me i can think about hundreds of management teams and companies that fall within each one of those categories and i think the one message i would relay is every one of those categories is different but they all have commonalities too so there's things that you'll see inside the mind of a C-suite team of a multi-billion dollar business that you'll see inside the mind of a first year business, you know, a year one sub million dollar revenue business dealing with talent, you know, uh, you mentioned Philip, you know, holding on to your best uh, talent and letting go of your work. I mean, these, these problems don't go away and these opportunities don't go away. So there's just a familiarity there that I think people should take some comfort from that, that, um, we're sort of going through a similar experience here, all of us managers, operators, investors, entrepreneurs. I love and it, so man. even more reason to, to listen to each other and to learn from each other. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time doing that and recommend everyone doing that. I really appreciate, Philip, what you do for the community in pushing that along, you know, the knowledge sharing. I, we're, I, all, I we're all taking care of customers, patients, constituents, employees, and then ultimately, if we do a really good job, we take care. We get to take care of ourselves and our family. We're right. The <laughs> That's the whole thing. Uh, uh, to solve for yourself, solve for others. Right is uh, is one other way I've heard it said. Um, yeah. I love it because it's it really is the entrepreneurial spirit, and it's. It's a lesson that I hope most humans learn because there's nothing more human, I think, than being an entrepreneur at, at its core and its essence. I mean, we're we're getting poetic here and you know philosophical yeah. now, but but yeah, there, there really use, is something to that. And use that analogy to help you. Um, some of the best tiny businesses that I've ever come across, a quarter of their brain thinks like they're a multi-billion-dollar business already, and you see them making decisions that way. And some of the best huge businesses that I've worked with, a quarter of their brain behaves like they're a year one business. And you see that injection into their decision making. And so, again, come back to different lenses, you know, the lens, the lens of scale, you know, scaling in, scaling out, you know, sounding like a PhD economics professor at the beginning of a meeting and focusing in on 
you know, the wiring, the plumbing, the nail that's out of place at the end of the meeting and being able to do both, um, or at least attempt to do both well, is, uh, is interesting and, and useful in business, I find. Um, hard to do, you know, it, and it makes, makes for tiring days, you know, when you're being stretched in many different directions. But um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, when their business is doing well to reasonably well, love what they do partly because they get to be stretched in many different directions. Now, you can always tell an entrepreneur because um, their exercise routine is probably jog one day, bike the next, lift weights, do yoga. You know, it's very rare you find an entrepreneur who only does yoga. <laughs> it's just a certain <laughs> mindset. Yeah, man. No, I'm, this conversation. Yeah, this conversation was really, I think, uh, a refreshing one because it, uh, because of the expansiveness of the way that you see business and how holistic you see it integrated into your own life, just as an individual, and how that feeds into what you're doing with scale. I'm confident that I understand the uh, the essence of the way that you uh, that you rock and roll. When working with people and, and I can see the humanity in what you do. Uh, aside from the fact that, of course, you keep your eye on that bottom line too. And it's like you said, uh, although many people have an ideal for what a first year looks like in any business, it doesn't always jive with ROI and people need to understand that if they intend to build something great. And I think even from the beginning of this conversation, you were dropping gems. Uh, so with that said, I want to roll out the red carpet for you, Roy, and I want to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can connect with you, where you would prefer they would go visit or research? Uh, yes, uh, scaleconsulting.com is interesting because now it has scale professional services too. Scale-healthcare.com is a you know, very large established healthcare consulting business. Um, lots of information there if you're in the healthcare space. Uh, scale-community.com is uh, our membership organization. We hosted our first conference last week for 200 CEOs across the country. Um, so any one of those three websites would be uh, a good place to start. Scale community sounds awesome. Find me on, on LinkedIn. <laughs> Just look up Roy Besheron. Right, and LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. No. Wow, wow, I had no idea you had done scale community. I don't know how I missed that in my notes. That sounds awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah, it's our, it's our first time running a... Uh, membership organization slash association and all the different facets that come with that. So we're part publishing house. We generate content all the time. We're now an events business. Um, you know, we, we sold 200 tickets. We raised sponsorship, you know, all that mess that comes with being an events business. So it's, it's really interesting. You know, we're, we're learning and thankfully the best businesses are the one where you get to learn new skills and they still make financial sense. Um, so thankfully that's the case here, but you never know. I mean, we've, we've started businesses that it turns out didn't make any financial sense. So, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the point I make about being an operator vis-a-vis IRRI and maybe we'll leave off on, on that point is, uh, the the analysis doesn't take you the whole way. And I think that's sort of a universal truth. I was rereading a book my old professor taught me, um, the school that the business school that I went to, and um 
2005, two or three chapters about Apple. And I don't think he could have asked for better analysis than what he produced. A very famous teacher. He won the U.S. Presidential Award for Best Teacher. Um, he's revered by many of the leading businessmen in the country. He, he is he's the modern, he's Warren Buffett's academic. He's, he's the, 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 the value investing sort of leader amongst, amongst the country. Um, so the, the, the Dodd and Graham, you know, uh, appointee or, or, um, um, newest representative, I should say. Um, and so you'd think that, you know, three chapters worth of analysis on Apple in 2005 would forecast for you everything that you, you needed to know. Um, and in hindsight, when you read that work done back then, it couldn't have been more wrong. Right. I mean, it, the conclusion was Apple will never make money. They're a, they're a dying company. They're being squashed by Microsoft. Uh, even IBM is a better business. They can't compete with Intel. Um, you know, the, these new entrants, AOL, Time Warner, no, before Time Warner, AOL will, uh, will usurp them in, in various ways. And in fact, their business model is so convoluted. They're in just too many things. You know, you can't be in music, entertainment, and personal computing and uh, try to develop all these other skills all at the same time. This will fail. And the analysis was not superficial. It was as deep as deep gets. You know, every metric imaginable, comparing them to every competitor in every aspect, in every business that they were in. So, um, there is this part where you sort of have to leave all the IRR type analyses to one side and then dig even deeper. That's uh, the Christensen approach to business, which is the innovator's dilemma. You know, yeah. Making bets on things that no one fully understands, but hopefully you have a better view of than others. Um, and that's, that's another thought I would leave everyone with. Um, a lot of businesses and their future is impossible to analyze actually um all we all we get is a glimpse of what might be so it's worth thinking about Roy, well put well put thank you so much man uh i really appreciate the energy that you brought here and the ideas you were willing to share uh it's just one of those episodes that needed to happen you really understood the spirit of the show and uh i really encourage everyone again to visit the websites we'll make sure we're going to link them below as well as your LinkedIn uh, uh, for them to be able to contact you. Uh, yeah, I, I think that linking is really good. So <laughs> more linking, please. Yeah, more linking, please. Uh, that, that might be the name of the episode. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, with that said, uh, brother, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, it was really a pleasure. Okay, take care. Bye.